Hi everyone, my name is Murray Anderson. I'm the senior pastor at St. Peter's in Fishhook. Thanks for joining us here for The Word at Work. Over the next few episodes, we'll be looking at Matthew chapters 8 to 10. Uh, it'd be great actually if you, if you took a moment to read those chapters. Today, we'll be looking at the miracles in those chapters from a kind of big picture point of view. Um, let's, uh, let's make a start, get your Bibles open. Uh, it is, um, I'm sure you, you, you're aware of this, but with, with all the kind of, um, as we live through this pandemic and you've seen all, all the graphs, we hear all the experts speaking, it is easy to start thinking of this pandemic uh, only in kind of biological and scientific terms. Um, as, we, as we look at all the, the suffering in the world, it is helpful to be reminded of the Bible's perspective as well. Um, that there is also something very unnatural about this kind of natural disaster, about any sort of natural disaster. All death and disease and suffering, all viruses, they're actually a reminder of the fallenness of this creation. Uh, the sin of humanity breaks our relationship with a loving creator God, and that leads to a disorder, a brokenness in his world. That's important background when you come to Matthew 8 to 10. We see here that Jesus is confronted by a totally fallen world, a broken world. There is suffering and disaster and evil all about him. In the Sermon on the Mount, just before the section, we see the crowd are amazed by the authority of Jesus' teaching. Well, in this next section, we'll see they're amazed by the authority of uh, his miracles. Uh, his authority to, you could say, to restore a fallen world. Just consider the list, like I said, we're taking a big picture view here, but you'll see he, he cures from someone from, from leprosy at the start, then he, he heals various people from fevers, he raises people to life, he restores sight and hearing, uh, he calms a storm just with his words, um, he drives out demons, again, just by his commands. There are, of course, many eyewitnesses to these miracles. Uh, Jesus' enemies do not doubt that he performed the miracles, they, they question the source of his authority, but they don't doubt the miracles actually happened. But I need to say, first of all, that they're not just kind of random acts of power. He's not some kind of superhero just kind of displaying what he can do. He wants us to draw certain conclusions from them. These miracles point to who he is. In fact, at the start of the next section in Matthew, if you go to the start of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus himself explains the conclusions that he wants people to draw. Let me look at those verses now. So if you go to uh, Matthew 11 verse 2, we read this. When John, that's John the Baptist who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah. So when John heard about all these things that we're looking at in Matthew chapter 8, 9 and 10, when John heard about those things, he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're absolutely right, I am the Messiah, I'm the one to come. That's what these miracles are pointing towards. They're pointing to the fact that he is the Messiah who has come to restore creation. But then look also at another interesting verse in the middle of this, 8 verse 16. We read this, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill 
what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. You see, plenty of other people had come claiming to be this all-powerful Messiah figure, many of them sort of promising political or military victory over the Romans. But here, Jesus shows he is the all-powerful Messiah, the Son of God figure, but also the suffering servant figure from Isaiah 53. That had never happened before. Somebody who's kind of binding these two things together, both Son of God and the suffering servant who took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Because if creation is damaged and distorted and destroyed because of sin, well then creation can only be restored by a king who solves the problem of sin. One final thing. There's a sense in which this king has kind of arrived early. Uh, let me explain what I mean. There's, there's a miracle in the uh, end of chapter 8 where Jesus is confronted by a demon-possessed uh, man. Actually, yeah, two men. One of them says to him this, 8 verse 29, What do you want with us, Son of God? They shouted, Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? That's a really key phrase, before the appointed time. You see, there is an appointed time in the future when, as, as the demons know themselves, the Son of God will judge and condemn and destroy all evil. They know that's coming. As Jesus walked the earth, in a sense, he had come early and he was giving this little foretaste of what it would be like when creation was totally restored. That's a good way to kind of understand these miracles. Uh, 2,000 years ago in Palestine, it was like a little bit of heaven had broken in as Jesus kind of emptied hospital beds and healed the sick and rose the dead. You could think of it like one of those, um, you know, sometimes there'll be a, a property development or a new retirement village or something, and they're trying to get people interested. So what do they do? They put up a show home, a kind of demo unit, and you can walk in through all the chaos of the building site, all the dust, all the dirt, all the concrete, and you walk into this demo unit and you get a little foretaste of what it will be like in the future. You could think of Jesus' arrival here on earth as that little foretaste. Heaven has broken in. People can see that he is the one who restores creation. Now, in the meantime, we still live in that fallen world. There's still natural disasters. There's still going to be pandemics. Because of the cross and the resurrection, we can know with perfect certainty the day is coming when all evil will be destroyed, when creation will be properly restored. The call now is to put your faith in the one and only King who really can restore that creation. So that's it for our first episode. Do please join us uh, next time where we'll actually be taking a closer look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 22. Uh, Jesus will teach you about what it actually means to, to follow him, the cost of following him. See you then.